Amazon has three people who hold the title of CEO. There's Jeff Bezos, of course, the founder and CEO. Then there are two deputies, Andy Jassy, the CEO of Amazon Web Services, the cloud business, and Jeff Wilkie, CEO of Global Consumer. Jeff Wilkie got the title CEO of Global Consumer three years ago and hadn't done a broadcast interview since until this week when he sat down with me for CNBC. Wilkie's been with Amazon for 20 years and now runs the core business of e-commerce and physical retail. The massive global logistics operation, the billions of items shipped, all of that reports up to him. Welcome to Fort Knox, rich ideas and powerful people. I'm John Fort from CNBC. I talked to Jeff Wilkie in Las Vegas at Amazon's first ReMars event. Mars stands for Machine Learning, Automation, Robotics, and Space. Later on in his keynote, Wilkie gave an update on Amazon's plan to deliver packages by drones, something that relies heavily on artificial intelligence. Now, he didn't spill the beans on that plan in his interview with me, but he does talk about Amazon's ambition to keep delivering prime packages faster and faster in even less than a day. Here's Jeff Wilkie. Jeff Wilkie. Hi, John. CEO, Amazon Worldwide <laughs> Consumer. Thanks for sitting down with CNBC. Happy to be here. All right, so we got to get to the news first. Okay. Antitrust. Okay. Uh, regulators, lawmakers have been circling big tech recently, looking at size and whether the competition uh, has suffered, that state of, of healthy competition. What do you say to people who say that Amazon has fostered an environment where the competition isn't healthy? Well, uh, first thing is, welcome. Thanks for being here at <laughs> Great to be here. Uh, we, have, we have some really amazing stuff planned over the next couple of days. But uh, to answer your question, uh, we think that all significant entities in the economy should be scrutinized. So that's not unusual. And our job is to construct a business and practices that pass that scrutiny with flying colors. Uh, what we're going to talk about this week at Remars is all of the investment we're making in customer services and services that we offer to developers and AI researchers all over the world to build products for customers, and we think that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. So I think you're going to get a lot of evidence this week that our business model is producing great things for customers and for the world. Speaking of, of which, you joined Amazon about 20 years ago. Yeah which is right around the time when I was writing my first story about Amazon, <laughs> okay. uh, one of your first fulfillment centers out in Campbellsville, Kentucky. I was trying to figure out, is, is this e-commerce company really moving <laughs> in here? Back then, it seems, the challenge was just the basic logistics and operation of e-commerce. Like, will it work? Will people rely on this for the delivery of their books? Yeah, they, now, they, they press their mouse click and the doorbell rings. <laughs> you know, people didn't understand how it worked. But, but now, we're here at Remars. The topic is artificial intelligence. What is the challenge uh, of, of this generation that that's going to help answer? Well, I, we're going to see AI and machine learning embedded in all kinds of different products. So it makes personalization better. Uh, we just launched an enhancement to the iOS app that lets you screenshot a fashion look that you're interested in and, uh, and find something on Amazon that matches. We've got improvements to our forecasting service. We've got robotics working around in the FCs that make the job safer and, uh, and make it easier for people to do their work. So the work changes, but we have lots of people that we've uh, hired into our fulfillment centers at the same time as we've added robots. It, but uh, is there a crazy idea behind it? Because back 20 years ago, yeah. when you guys were first building out uh, this logistics operation, the idea of doing that was a crazy idea. eBay was doing the smart thing. They didn't have all this infrastructure <laughs> on the ground. Is there a crazy idea in the era of AI? Uh, 
I th what I think is going to happen is the stuff that we're doing for customers, which is all about big selection, really fast delivery speed, and low prices, is just going to get better through AI. So we've been, we've been improving delivery speed for years. We just moved Prime recently from two days to one day, mm -hmm. and we're going to keep improving the delivery speed across millions and millions of items. We announced this week that 10 million items are available for one-day shipping. We can't do that without AI and ML. Uh, and, I, and I wonder about that, because is there a decreasing marginal return on that? I mean, what, once you're doing one day across the board, is it worth it to invest tens or hundreds of millions of dollars into getting it within a fraction of a day for your core prime consumer? Do, do I really need it that much faster? Am I, am I even going to be home? Well, uh, some stuff you might. I mean, if you're out of baby diapers, you might need them fast, faster <laughs> than one day. Okay. Uh, so Prime Now is the service that we offer that's really fast. It's uh, less than an hour uh, if, if you need it that fast. Uh, and it has a pretty broad selection of items that are available. We also have delivery from our, some of our Whole Foods stores. Mm -hmm. uh, we have Amazon Fresh. So there are a bunch of services that are actually faster than one day. And we think we'll have more over time. Back to the competition question, because it's on a lot of people's minds. Are there areas, things that you and the leadership team have determined that you won't do because you don't think it would be good for competition, even though it, it might lead to faster delivery or even though it might seem like the sort of thing that you could do to build the business, you just don't think it would be good for the competitive environment? You know, we're just focused on customers, really. I mean, we are trying to invent things that customers are going to love, and that we think that's our primary job. And if we do a good job of that, uh, customers will keep coming back to us. But it's too hard to predict what everybody else is going to do. We want to stay focused on what we can control, which is a great customer experience. Mm. I'm starting to hear stories about how companies are using AI internally to make themselves more efficient. And I think we're, we're hearing about how Amazon is giving tools to developers mm -hmm. for building out AI, even the uh, customer-facing AI in the Echo and Alexa and just on the core site. But as an executive, as a leader within Amazon, how are you guys using AI, whether it's in human resources or, or in marketing internally, just using it to, to run a more efficient business? Uh, I don't know that we have any applications, big applications in human resources, but you mentioned marketing. There's great opportunity to optimize the marketing dollars through AI and, and ML. Um, and so we're working on, on that to decide what to show to customers when. Uh, that's all uh, algorithmic, and we do better and better. We produce better and better results when we add AI to anything that we've been doing for a long time. Mm. Um, let's talk about Amazon workers, because that's, I mean, your, yeah. your purview uh, is huge, and we we're just talking about uh, the warehouses and, yeah. and, and the old days. Yeah. Um, I was looking at work, warehouse worker reviews, how they mm -hmm. talk about the job. Indeed.com has a lot. Uh, the big retailers, Amazon, Walmart, Walgreens, Target, each one has more than 25,000 reviews. Uh, Amazon's rating is a 3.6 out of 5. Okay. Walmart's is 3.6 out of 5. Walgreens is 3.6 out of 5. Targets is 3.7. But I hear a lot of criticism specifically targeting Amazon. What do those numbers tell you? Well, the, I'm not sure what to make of the numbers because I don't know how the survey was put together. But I can tell you that we work really hard to create great jobs. So the minimum wage to $15 that we did last year was a really big deal for 250,000 uh, families. Uh, we have terrific benefits. The benefits are the same whether you're in my job or somebody who just started in the fulfillment center. We pay 95% of college tuition uh, for people who want to uh, create more career options for themselves. 
So we, we think we've created a really good work environment. It's, they're safe fulfillment centers, including the one that we were talking about earlier in Campbellsville, Kentucky. And actually, we have tours of our fulfillment centers for anybody who wants to sign up. So if you hadn't been in a while, we'd encourage you to sign up and see for yourself. If you read something that doesn't sound right, go see for yourself. Are there ways to use artificial intelligence, even at that level, to get a sense of what workers are experiencing and um, uh, ways to make their jobs either more efficient, more fulfilling? How do you do that? Is there a way that you use technology to do that? Well, I don't know about feedback. That seemed, the best way to get feedback, I think, is just to ask. But we are using robotics and AI to make the job safer and make it easier for people to do what they do best, which is be creative and, uh, you know, and use, their, uh, use their mind. So uh, we have these uh, small orange kind of robotic pucks that move around and they bring inventory to workers instead of workers having to walk around the entire warehouse the, w the way we did in the old days mm. uh, and push carts from place to place. So they've, those, those small robots have made the job safer uh, and they've made it more efficient, which lets us, which has allowed us to pay higher wages. Mm. Um, back at the end of last year, you said that the well, Jeff Bezos said that the leadership team had noticed the criticism around this issue and decided to lead on it. Mm. Um, can you talk about really what that process was like of uh, figuring out how to attack this issue and this problem? Because we've heard about you know the one pagers. And, and some of the process that you guys go through. But, th but this is a different sort of conversation, it seems like. Well, we're always looking at the wages that we pay and making sure that they're competitive and, and fair. Uh, we, we've, we've done that for as long as we've been operating these fulfillment centers. This past time, we took a look at it, and, if, and there was, as you say, some, uh, there, there was input from the external environment. And we said, you know, we have a chance to do what we would normally have done for a raise, or we can go big and make a statement, and, and we, just, we chose to lead. And What's take it all the way to 15. Then? It's been terrific. Uh, it's been really terrific. I mean, we have more people applying for jobs, fewer people leaving to take other jobs. It's been awesome. It's also interesting, uh, just a few weeks ago, you put forth an offer. Forgive me if I get some details wrong, but $10,000. Yeah, this is DSP. The, yes. Yeah. For, for workers who are dealing with logistics inside yeah. to instead go outside, yeah. quit their job at Amazon, start their own business, and deliver packages. Yeah. What led to that, and how, what's the early response been? Have you had a bunch of people taking you up on that? Yeah, it's been the early response is great. The idea is, as you say, is we, we, it's $10,000 to reimburse costs. We give three months' salary to, as a further uh, support. Uh, we, can, uh, we lease vans and, uh, and vehicles to, uh, to people who sign up for this, and we ensure that they have enough work so that it's a viable business. Oh, how do you do that? Uh, we just give them enough volume. So we know how much volume we have, and we're, we're only... Uh, saying yes to enough in each area so that, uh -huh. so that we can give them the volume. Uh -huh. um, it's, it's great for us. Uh, it allows us to complement the capacity that we have with our great carrier partners. It's great for some of our employees who don't want to do the same uh, thing that they've been doing in the warehouse for five or ten years. They want to you know, learn some new skills and build a business themselves. Uh, that's kind of a theme for us, actually, is, trying to, is we're trying to create career opportunities for the folks who work in our fulfillment centers, and one way is to do DSP, another way is advancement within, but the career choice program that I mentioned before, 95% college tuition, funds study in areas that don't matter really for Amazon, but that matter in the local community. In other words, there's a chance for that, that person to increase their earning potential, uh, and over 16,000 employees have already taken us up on this one. It, a lot of what you're doing seems like market-based thinking. 
you know, there was also that that offer uh, to people starting at two thousand dollars and mm. going up based on years of of service. Hey, if you want to quit once a year, here's some money to go. Um, where does that market-based thinking come from, where, and how does it come to bear? Uh, I'm not sure that it starts with that. I think it starts with uh, what is the right program for the customer or for the employee action that we want. And uh, in the case of the DSP, it seemed like $10,000 would support uh, you know months of the costs and and sort of getting started. So that was the right amount. In the case of the uh, kind of pay to quit at the beginning, it's you offer a little bit, and if if not enough people take it, you offer some more, and eventually you get to a level where uh, where people who say, you know what, this isn't really for me, they got a little bonus, they feel happy, and it's probably better for the rest of the employees at Amazon who really want to be there. Yeah. Um, how has the logistics challenge changed over 20 years? That's kind of a long <laughs> period to deal in. But when you came in, it's interesting yeah, Three to fulfillment centers when I joined. Oh, gosh. Three? Yeah. Where three. were they? Uh, they were in uh, Delaware, they were in Seattle, and uh, in the U.S., and we had just opened one in Reno. Right. And then, and then Campbellsville. And then Campbellsville. Came, came not yeah. too yeah. long yeah. after that. Yeah. Um, now you've got, I'm sure you Hundreds. Yeah. Um, what's the challenge now different from them? Because you've got these systems, you've got robots, uh, you've got AI, you've got this crazy system of randomly placing items throughout you know, the fulfillment yeah, center yeah. so that, so that uh, they can be found more quickly. Um, what's the challenge now as you try to get one day everywhere? Well, it's just scaling and, comp and it's more complicated than it was with hundreds of fulfillment centers. We have inbound cross-dock centers that uh, are near ports uh, of entry. We have uh, we have uh, sort centers throughout the country that actually sort packages so that we can get them onto uh, delivery vans. All of this infrastructure is built so we can, as you say, we can deliver faster for customers. Uh, it turns out when you have hundreds of warehouses, you can put them closer to cities instead of concentrating them kind of in the center of the country. So now we have them spread out across the U.S. So there is inventory near nearly every city uh, in the U.S., which just allows us to deliver a terrific customer experience. Uh, what about uh, marketplace and, and dealing with uh, third parties, which is something that you weren't doing back then? Yeah. Well, we had just started, and uh, now what we're doing is offering these services, including fulfillment services, but also website services to third parties who want to sell in our store. So mm -hmm. we've opened up our store to let others compete against us, uh, and it's worked really well. In fact, they're kind of beating the retail team. More than half of our sales now are from third-party sellers in our store. Yeah. Um, tell me about uh, Project Zero. Mm. This is something that you guys announced just, I think it was in February, dealing with counterfeit items uh, in the store. You had had some complaints, I believe. The, the American Apparel and Footwear Association said it was so bad that they wanted some Amazon marketplaces tagged uh, with the USTR. But you've taken this AI tack on trying to uh, identify uh, counterfeits and allow the brand maker to remove them from the site. Is it working? Yeah, well, f first of all, take a step back. There are hundreds of millions of, of items that people sell at retail all over the world. Mm -hmm. And counterfeit is not a new problem. There have been counterfeit items in, that, in those hundreds of millions for a long time. The vast majority of counterfeit attempts at Amazon we're able to block. We have large teams of people that work on this. We're using AI and ML to detect them, but a few get through. And what we want to do is work with brands 
to make sure that none get through. And that's why it's called Project Zero. Yeah. So the way to do it, we have some tools. We have an automated registry uh, program that allows brands to register their marks and very specific things about the product. And then we use AI to find uh, versions of those, those marks that are, that are not real, that are counterfeit. Uh, we have uh, a self-service uh, counterfeit removal tool. So if a brand sees something, they're like, that is not mine. They can take it down themselves mm -hmm. first, mm -hmm. and then we'll only bring it back up if it turns out they were wrong. And then the last thing is a serialization uh, process. So if we're selling phones and uh, a vendor wants to make certain, a manufacturer wants to make certain that there are no counterfeits, they can put a unique serial number on each phone that we'll read uh, when we're inventorying items and make sure that we don't send a counterfeit, not one, to customers. Mm. That's why it's Project Zero. Yeah. Is this a cat and mouse game like we hear in hacking where it's, it's hard to actually get ahead or do you, looking at the data, feel like it's actually getting better at a significant pace? Oh, I think, uh, I think we're doing a, a very good job. But as you say, people are always inventing new ways to kind of get around whatever you've done so far. So we'll probably be investing a lot of resources to make sure it's a great customer experience for a very long time. Mm. Um, Whole Foods. Yes. Uh, if you're just looking at the numbers that you guys report on a quarterly basis, looking at the physical stores line, which is mostly Whole Foods, quarter to quarter, it seems like it's up and down, you know, pretty steady state, not explosive growth. What are a couple of the numbers that you're tracking as you look at longer term, the health of this business inside Amazon and, and whether it's doing what you want? Well, one of the things I look at is whether the prices for Prime members are going down. <laughs> Check. They are. That's okay. good. We think that's a really important input uh, for customers. Why? Uh, because we, we, want, uh, we think that uh, Amazon is known for low prices and big selection. We think Prime members, when they walk into a Whole Foods and know that it's a partner of Amazon's, are going to expect to see uh, good value. Is that going to drive loyalty or new customers? Yeah, What's that yeah it'll drive loyalty. It'll drive Prime members to, to value Prime even more. Mm. Uh, and it's, they're just great deals. So it's things that people are buying you know, a lot of. Uh, so it's not obscure things. And we've lowered the prices. We lowered them when we first bought Whole Foods. Uh, and recently we lowered them again. And there'll be more uh, pricing changes over time. We want Prime to be more valuable when you're a Whole Foods customer. Because that does what to the overall Prime? Do, are you finding ways that uh, activating Prime within Whole Foods also causes people to do other things that you like? Sure. I mean, and this is true for videos. Uh -huh. I mean, people who watch more videos with us buy more laundry detergent. It's just when you're engaged with Prime, you tend to use it more in, in a bunch of aspects of your life. So much to get to because your, <laughs> your area is so large. I want to talk about uh, PillPack. Okay. Because uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, April I believe it was, you started ramping up the marketing mm. for letting people know about this uh, company you guys bought for about a billion dollars delivering prescriptions. Right. What's the goal in this early stage of what you want to accomplish either in uh, letting people know about it, associating it with the Amazon brand? Well, go back to the acquisition. We were just really impressed with PillPack. We were impressed with the team and what they'd built. They're very customer centric. This is one of those acquisitions where they had kind of built something that feels like what Amazon would build. So it was just natural for us. I met the uh, founder, one of the founders, TJ, uh, for lunch before the, uh, before the deal was finalized. And I just felt like I was talking to somebody who I'd worked with at Amazon for 10 years. What did they get so, so right? Why did, you, why did you buy instead of build? They are, they're customer-centric. They are focused on the entire supply chain. 
They are really careful in building a great delivery experience for customers. So they want customers to be able to uh, order exactly what they want, get it for sure, and get it really fast. Uh, so they kind of built it the way we would build it. And, and finally, I want to ask you about the impact of tariffs. Mm. Um, China specifically at, at this point, but you've, you've got all kinds of merchants from around the globe trying to get on your marketplace and sell. Have, have you seen any impact from uh, tariffs on the ability of Chinese sellers uh, to compete in the marketplace? I, I haven't seen that much impact. Our selection is still vast and hasn't really changed much. Uh, I haven't seen yet uh, any kind of uh, large impact on pricing. Um, so no significant changes yet. Okay. Well, Jeff, uh, finally, what should we look forward to uh, out of this conference, even outside, I mean, you're, you're the man here. You're like uh, Jeff Bezos, you're one boss, yeah. uh, isn't, isn't talking <laughs> yeah. to us. I'm but, one of the other but, Jeffs. Yeah, you're I, one of the other Jeffs, yes. uh, but you still get to. Um, what should we be looking for, maybe surprising around robotics, around space, that really going to get emphasized out of this? Well, we're going to talk about some of the things we're doing, and, and others are presenting too, of course, that we're doing in shopping, uh, in delivery, uh, in voice. So there'll be some really cool things there. And uh, uh, you know, tomorrow we're going to go through a, a bunch of the, the new things that we've launched. And I don't think you're going to want to miss it. Shopping in space? <laughs> not yet. Uh, not yet. OK. <laughs> Jeff, thanks. Hey, pleasure. I'm John Fort from CNBC, and this has been Fort Knox, rich ideas and powerful people. Subscribe wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Check out the reviews on iTunes. Leave me a note. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox series on LinkedIn. That's brand new and a great way to keep up with the trends I'm seeing both on this Fort Knox show and in my other work on CNBC. That's also the absolute best way to be in touch with me. Leave a comment on the series. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox channel on YouTube, F-O-R-T-T-K-N-O-X.com slash YouTube. Matter of fact, you can go to YouTube now and see video of these conversations. Or you can go to the CNBC apps on Apple TV or Amazon Fire TV and find Fort Knox in the featured area. Meanwhile, share this. Tell a friend. Drop me a note on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or FortKnox.com. And as always, thank you for lending an ear.